But he says, Metatalta, after these things, Jesus, notice, showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And so these three appearances of Jesus, uh, we can see them. The first one was in John chapter 20, verse 19, the night of his resurrection. And certainly in verse 26, we saw that he appeared to his disciples eight days following. And now here, the third time, he appears to his disciples. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. John records another of the several appearances of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. This appearance took place in the Galilee region at the Sea of Tiberias. The Gospel of Matthew also records an appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples in Galilee. The scriptures are not short of documenting solid proof that Jesus rose from the dead and visited with his disciples on three separate occasions. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins the final chapter in the Gospel of John. Uh, We finished Revelation. We went right into John because John's the author of the two. But now we're going to go back at the beginning of the New Testament and Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and then right into Acts, uh, I believe. So it's going to take us a while to get there, but the Gospels are like home central for for us because that's the very life of Christ. And, you know, of all the things that we can read in the Bible, knowing who Jesus is and his example is extremely important as we live our life today because we need to see that example. We need to know what Jesus expects of us, and we need to ask him to fill us by his Holy Spirit because I can't and you can't do this alone. We need the Spirit of God in us to work in and through our lives in the, in, in the days that we live in, especially today as things are getting very, very dark and things are getting really, really interesting. And I find it a privilege, honestly, to live at this time in history. It hasn't been easy at all. It's, bro- it's broken my heart in a million pieces, to be honest with you. But to just see the Bible and the things that have been written hundreds of years, even a few thousand years ago, are literally coming to pass before our eyes. And there's no way that anyone could make that happen. But we, we serve a God who is outside of time, who can tell the end from the beginning, who sees all things because he's omniscient and omnipresent. And he can tell us in advance these things. And what a privilege it is, isn't it? Think about it. You and I know the big picture. Most people don't know the big picture, and therefore they're scared, they're frightened, and for good reason. The world is coming apart at it it, it seems. And yet you and I, if we're students of the Word of God, if we understand Bible prophecy, and we've been looking at that for quite a while, we see that these things are coming to pass literally as Jesus has told us. And to me, that's the greatest boost of faith and encouragement that I can imagine, is just to know 
that everything is right on time and God is not in a hurry. He's not uh, freaking out like we might be. But let's grow in our trust of Christ and grow in trust of his word that as we see these things and we know they're coming, help us to maintain our composure and maintain our sight, our vision, and it needs to be on Christ and nothing else. If you do that, you will do well and the world around you will marvel and hopefully they'll come to see the same Christ that you and I serve and we'll see soon. So let's open our Bibles again. Let's look at the first, uh, just the first 14 verses. I want to read it, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Notice it says that um, after these things, and, and these things that it's speaking of, is after, after Jesus had uh, visited his disciples, remember it was the very day after the resurrection that Jesus revealed himself in the evening to them in an upper room while the door was shut, and he appeared before them in physical form and they saw him and they were naturally very frightened and then eight days later we know that finally the same group of men plus thomas was present and so on the eighth day after his resurrection he appears before them again it was the second time that he did that and now as we look at chapter 21 and so it was after those things, after those things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And notice that Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered and said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Not a very good idea. I just want to share. Um, uh, he plunged into the sea, but the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. After he was raised from the dead. Now, it's interesting, this chapter has often been called by some an epilogue, if you will, to the Gospel of John. And some believe that it may, uh, this chapter may have been added by John or even one of the disciples after the fact. And, you know, if we look at the very last two verses of John chapter 20, it, it, it could end. It could have ended on that, uh, those last two verses, because it sounds very final. It says, And truly Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things, 
And this is the theme of the whole entire gospel. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. You might have life through his name. Now, it could have ended at the end of chapter 20, but we would have missed out on at least six important things. And these are just things that I, as I was reading this final chapter myself, I was thinking, you know, if, if, if this was absent, which it, it never was, it was always part of the gospel. It, it was never a separate piece, okay? It was always together, always but if this gospel was uh, an epilogue then, and it wasn't part of it, then we would be missing not only this third visitation of Jesus with his disciples, we would be missing out on the humanity of the disciples. And we'll look at that this morning. And certainly we would miss Jesus' restoration or recommissioning of Peter after he had denied him three times, remember. And so Peter was very sorrowful, very ashamed, I believe. We would have missed this restoration of Peter and we would also miss Peter's growth on display and we'll look at that as well and also the prophecy of Peter's death and the rumor that was starting to spread based on what Jesus had said and ultimately we find out who the real author of this gospel is of course we know who it is but everyone can be silenced now about who the author is because it tells us definitively at the end of this chapter which we will look at but notice let's go back to verse one notice this third visitation it says after these things metatauta remember that in in the book of revelation john uses this phrase often after these things he said it in uh, revelation chapter 4 right after the church age was finished he said metatauta after these things and then the church was caught up into glory but he says metatauta after these things jesus notice showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of tiberius and so these three appearances of jesus Uh, We can see them. The first one was in John chapter 20, verse 19, the night of his resurrection. And certainly in verse 26, we saw that he appeared to his disciples eight days following. And now here, the third time, he appears to his disciples. And I love the fact that Jesus didn't wait. You know, he didn't wait for the resurrection, meaning the resurrection of the believers, the rapture of the church. He As soon as he was resurrected, he made sure that there was ample proof of his resurrection. And there is, there's ample proof. Many people saw him after his resurrection. Even 500 at once, the Peter saw him, Mary Magdalene, all the disciples saw him. Many other people saw him as well. And he showed himself again to the disciples. And this word showed is is a Greek word, phanero, and basically it means to make manifest or visible or known what was hidden or unknown. And so here Jesus is in his resurrection body ministering to them as uh, before he would ascend into heaven on the 40th day after his resurrection. And notice that it was at the Sea of Tiberias and Uh, For those of you who are not familiar, this uh, is a picture, a satellite photo of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And uh, it's called the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Sea of Tiberias because over there on the uh, western shore, there you can see is the city of Tiberias, named after Caesar, uh, Caesar, Tiberius, Caesar. But it's also called Lake Gennesaret. It's also called Chinnereth, which is a, a word that means harp because the lake itself is shaped like a harp. And so it was called Lake Chinnereth. 
And so this is where this occurs. Again, it's away from all the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. Because remember, the disciples were down there around the time of the Passover. Passover has come and gone. And now they are getting away from all the noise and the, and the, the persecution of Jerusalem. Jesus tells them to meet him up in Galilee, which is where this area is. And off to the left-hand side, over on the west bank, you can see Ginnasar. And this is a place that we visit when we go to Israel, and it's a wonderful place. It's actually one of my favorite places on the planet, one of my favorite places. And I love the, 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 the deck or the, the, the pier that goes off, and, and you can look over to Tiberias at night and see the lights, and it's beautiful, and you can hear the sounds of the crickets and the unique animals that are indigenous to that area. I can hear it in my head one night. I was out there just, and I, this is a rabbit trail, um, but just being out there and just hearing all the different creatures out there and then the mountains very close by and just hearing all these strange animals that I've never heard before and hearing the water lapping on the shore and, and just it was just a beautiful thing. But this is where it is. And yes, it is peaceful. And no doubt Jesus wanted to bring them there. And in this way he showed himself, Simon Peter, uh, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which we know are Peter, or I'm sorry, James and John, and two other disciples who are unnamed. So we have seven of the disciples, seven of the eleven. We don't know where the other four had, or had been. But I love the humanity of what we see in verse 3 because it, uh, it encourages me. Because notice, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we are going with you also. And so they get into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. And I'm glad that this is here in the Gospels because it encourages me. Because I realize that these men were normal men. And, you know, there were no women, ladies, sorry, among them. But they were normal men like we all are, were normal people. They weren't superheroes, but they grew in their walk with Jesus just as we are growing in our walk with him as well. Don't be discouraged for the day of small beginnings. Don't be discouraged by the little baby steps that you make, the little acts of obedience. Don't be dismayed by any of that stuff. Take those little steps and let them build and build and build. And you know what? It's the slow tortoise that wins the race. We don't have to be the, the guy on fire with our hair flying back like the Maxell commercial back in the 80s. No, we don't have to be that. We, we can just take it slow and steady and just allow the Lord to work in our lives. And that's really important because we live in a high-paced society. Just take your time and enjoy the sanctification. Because Christ is sanctifying you and I day by day. And so this encourages me because these guys were no different than, than us. And at this time, I believe that Peter was still wounded by what he had done. He had denied the Lord three times. He's only seen him a couple times now. And it's, it's at least a week and a half, maybe two weeks by now. And, um, and he was overcome, I believe, with grief and likely ashamed of himself, especially because he boasted of his devotion to Christ. And then Jesus predicted that he would deny him, and Peter ultimately did deny him. In spite of his boasting and his self-confidence, and how humiliating that must have been for Peter. And so I believe that Peter was despondent. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know, you know, Christ has been crucified, he's resurrected, he's shown himself a couple times now. But I don't know what to do. What am I going to do now? And so he's like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And I'm going to go fishing. And all the other disciples are like, hey, we'll follow you. Peter was the leader. He says, I've got to go fishing. 
That's all I know how to do. And you know, setbacks and discouragements are often enemies of faith. Don't let it be, but it can be. And we tend to get fatalistic. Do you tend to get fatalistic and tempted to throw in the towel when things aren't really going your way? And maybe you're, you're getting setbacks. Maybe there's difficulties in your life. Maybe you're struggling with some area of sin and you're thinking, I'm never going to get a handle on this thing. Lord, I'm at the edge. I'm about ready to throw in the towel. I would encourage you to not to throw in the towel. Because sometimes the Lord gets us right to the edge. And he does something really wonderful. And we're going to see that today as well. So I really appreciate the realness of this passage. Because without Jesus, they were aimless. They were confused. They were like a ship without a rudder. They were like a boat out in the ocean without an anchor. And have you ever felt worthless and useless and beyond repair? Have you felt that way? I have. Have you felt like giving up, feeling like the walls of your life are all crumbling down around you? And then you say, what's the use of me even continuing in this relationship with Jesus? Well, I've felt the same way. And I think it is to be human to feel that way. Unfortunately, that's just human. We all go through difficulties. We all go through problems, but we cannot give up. At our lowest ebb, when the, that, that's usually when the Lord comes in and swoops in and encourages us and renews us, and we're going to see that today. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't waver in faith. Trust in the Lord and wait upon him. And waiting is something we Americans don't do very well. We want it right now. We want it our way right away. We don't want to wait for anything And yet, isn't it true that the greatest things in life that we've had to wait for, those are the greatest blessings? The things that really caused you to wait. Things that you've had to save for before you could actually take possession of. Things that took a long time. You've been praying for years and years and years, and you've been building up, and it's like, oh, Lord, what? And then finally, it comes through, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then you're just excited And God is excited too. He's like, you know what? I heard every single one of those prayers. And right now, I'm going to bring them to fruition. Right now, I'm going to do this thing in your life that you've always wanted, that you've desired, that I've desired. But I've had to bring you through some things. I've had to grow you in some ways. And there's no way around it. There's no cliff's notes to life. There's no way to circumvent things to get us to closer to Christ. I find that getting closer to him, I find I, I usually have to be broken more and that things in my life have to be falling apart. Because when things are going well, I don't seek him as much. But when my life is in shambles, that's usually when I cry out to him. Can anyone relate to that? We do. And, that's, and, and the Lord knows this. And he's not even angry with you about it. He just He knows that's what you're made of that's your old nature and thank god hopefully all of us have a new nature the spirit of god indwelling us so don't give up and i love what it says in proverbs it says for a righteous man will fall seven times and rise quickly but the wicked shall fall by his calamity and there's some other verses too that i love too psalm 37 though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the lord upholds him with his hand and as we read this restoration of peter Think of this about yourself as well. Perhaps you're in a place of needing to be restored this morning, like Peter. In Micah 7 8, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And then the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Have you been cast down? 
I have been a lot. Over the last couple of years, my soul has been cast down to the ground so many times I can't even recall. But notice, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? And here's the answer, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hallelujah. (laughs) The help of his countenance. He wants to help you. God is a God of help. He's not a God of, he's not an angry God. He wants to help and bless you. But notice at the end of verse 3 there, it says they went out and they immediately caught nothing. And I don't think this was any coincidence because Peter and the others were at a place, again, of not knowing what, they, what to do. So they just did what they had done before Jesus called them. And in times of confusion, heartache, and disappointment, that's usually what we grasp for. We find familiarity and comfort in something that we've done before. And unfortunately, that is very natural. But the Lord is going to be doing something in their lives here shortly as they are out on the, on the Sea of Galilee fishing all night. And finally, they, they catch nothing until the early morning when they're probably spent, when they've probably exhausted all of their energies. And now Jesus on the shore says, hey, you guys catch anything? And they don't know who it is. They're like, who are you? No, we didn't catch anything. Why don't you cast the net over on the other side? Notice I, I made sure to pronounce net, singular. Cast the net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> and so they do. And we'll look at that shortly. But notice... But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples didn't know that it was him. Again, another instance of Jesus' resurrection body being somewhat different from his natural body. And I'm looking forward to getting a new body. Are you looking forward to getting a new body? I'm wondering if there's an app, you know, where we could like, you know, like heaven.com or something like that. We can go and we can design our own body and then we can, we can click submit and the Lord would, you know, we'll get our order when he shows up. You know, I want to be like in my late 20s. I want to have a nice, you know, I used to have blonde hair when I was young, when I was younger. And, you know, long flowing golden locks and, you know, um, you know, muscular and all that stuff. Can speak several languages. Um, the Lord's probably going to make me a donkey. He's probably gonna, he's probably gonna resurrect me, and I'm gonna be, you know, hauling somebody's, you know, goods, you know. But notice, Jesus said to them, "Children, have you any food?" And they said, "No." And 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 of course, Jesus knew the answer. He doesn't ask questions to gain information. He already knows these things. Just like in in Genesis chapter three, when God saw, you know, Adam, and he says, "Adam, where are you?" Do you think God knew where Adam was? I think he did. But Adam didn't know where he was, even though he, was, he knew where he was, but he really didn't know where he was. And God says, Adam, where are you? God already knew the answer, but he's waiting. He's drawing us out. And that's one of the great things about God. And if you're an interrogator for a police department like Tom Vasile, that's what they do. They draw information out of you. Tom, if you're watching today, hallelujah, he's homesick, but... You know, they draw information out of you, and that's what they do, and that's what God does. He wants to hear what's in your heart. He already knows it, but he wants to see if you're willing to spill the beans. I would encourage you to spill the beans, no matter how ugly they are. God has big shoulders. He can take whatever you've got to bring to him, even if it's ugly and nasty. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.